so yeah, I just want to be uh, you know the the podcast of positivity for the Cardinals and um, just really getting excited and um, just backing the guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast where we talk about all things Cardinals and the MLB in general. This is your host, Mark. I'm joined by my co-host, Duncan, and we are very excited to be coming to you in the, in the midst, in the beginning of spring training 2024. So spring training has started. And that's pretty exciting, especially when we got a couple inches of snow here in the St. Louis area on Friday. Uh, most of it melted pretty quick, or at least on the streets and the vehicles. But, um, you know, it's still that time of year, still finishing out winter here in the Midwest. But the Cardinals, and about half of Major League Baseball is in Florida, the other half are in Arizona. Uh, beginning in the Cactus League season there. Duncan, any early thoughts on the beginning of spring training? Yeah, so uh, it's nice uh, starting to see a little little baseball being played, even if it's just pitchers and catchers kind of throwing a little BP here and there, that sort of a thing. Uh, I was thinking as well, just the beginning of the season, once you actually see uh, stuff happening down at the facility down there in Jupiter. You uh, see the palm trees swaying. You hear the wind, but you see guys walking around in shorts. The sun shining, green grass, that kind of a thing. You get. I was thinking about it the other day when guys were walking out, and you f- think about that feeling. This is such a weird thing to s- to think about and to say, but just like uh, that feeling when you're wearing shorts and you can feel like the, the warmth of the sun and the breeze on your, on your legs that like you haven't had in months because you've been wearing pants for five, six months, whatever, how long, however long it's been for wherever you live and however cold it's been that whole time. So yeah, just kind of that feeling. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're so close. I can't wait. Just kind of that uh, the annual uh, spring feeling. Uh, I would say unofficial start of spring in St. Louis. Let's put it that way. Uh, watching everything happen down in Jupiter. As, but there's been a lot of uh, really cool things starting. You know, the storylines coming. Everyone's showing up. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. The classic saying that everyone says and everything. But there have been some guys that have truly honestly been in the quote-unquote best shape of their life where they show up and you say oh you've been doing some work over the last month and a half two three four months something like that since the season's ended um so yeah jordan walker being one of those uh everything that i'm reading and from the the clips and things i've seen of his bps and stuff changed his stance a little bit but just physically the dude just looks like an absolute monster in the box i mean he is massive his shoulders are so much bigger he just looks more filled out as a guy uh, in the box and everything but one of the things that i really loved watching his bp he just looks so much more balanced in the box he kind of went from um 
for the podcast listeners, maybe pull up some clips of him from last year during the season and try to find a, a clip of him in BP. There might be some side-by-sides you could find on online or those kind of things. But last year had a really upright stance uh, prior to the pitch and both feet close together and then basically just a simple stride forward and swing. Uh, was what he did but there was a lot of movement a lot of one of the things that I noticed a lot of movement in his hands to try to get to the the load position before he actually swings and it seems like he's kind of just simplified everything so he's going to more of a toe tap a la Albert Pools uh, kind of simplifying things on the the lower half and on the upper half he's already got his hands in that load position so he doesn't have to move them there and then start his swing so I'm uh, I think he is primed for a monster season, um, especially if he gets gets off to a really hot start. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. Everything that I'm hearing about um, Mason Wynn there too, loving that. Um, and then one of the interesting the things that I saw is just, maybe you have some thoughts on this too, uh, and really any of the things that I'm bringing up too, but... Um, just the fingerprints of the new influences in the team. So we talked a little bit about Heim Bloom coming into the organization, getting some fresh ideas from Tampa Bay and Boston, big from Tampa Bay, um, and his time there with pitching and developing players and those kind of things. Um, and a lot of the players that we brought over, uh, he had his fingerprints all over that with a lot of the Rule 5 guys and stuff coming from Boston and those connections there. But um, one of the things that I've kind of seen as Heim being involved in a lot of things is in Mo, one of Moe's press scrums that he had. I think this was back on uh, Valentine's Day on the 14th. Um, but one of the things that he said was, what we're trying to impress upon the players is, quote, do what you're good at and keep doing it. That is not something that the Cardinals have preached or has been like a strong strategy uh, over the past number of years. I feel like we always try to like make a guy into this Cardinals type pitcher. You know, for a while it was a pitch to contact kind of a thing, utilize our big ballpark and our defense. You know, at one point we had what five or six gold glovers on the team at one time. Um, and so we kind of try to mold guys into that particular player versus this and just highlighting what a player is good at and try to maximize his positives instead of trying to make the guy the most balanced you possibly can. And that is exactly what the Rays have done and are still doing. And Heim was all over that when he was with the Rays and everything too. So, I think he's definitely getting that idea into the front office and what they're wanting to do with a lot of their players and highlighting strengths uh, for players while trying to minimize weaknesses, that sort of a thing, uh, versus that well-rounded player. Um, And then also, secondly, with a a thing with Haim, too, uh, the other day on the 16th, I think it was, uh, so that would have been, what, Friday, um, Tink Hens and Miles Michaelis had their bullpens they were throwing, both Gersh and uh, Heim Bloom were both out there to watch. And one of the things that I found very interesting, uh, who was catching for Tink Hentz and not Miles Michaelis? It was Wilson Contreras. Why would they, you know, catch Wilson Contreras for a bullpen for Tink Hentz unless there's some kind of thought that 
maybe they think he could be a player in the team this year. I doubt to start the year, but you know, partway through the year, I think maybe they think, all right, let's see what this guy's got. Let's get him a little bit of time with Wilson and let them work together, work some things out, see if they can have a little chemistry. Um, you know, so if we call him up partway through the year, he could start, he could come out of the pen, whatever we need, that kind of a thing. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and seeing Heim there watching that bullpen and really, you know, paying close attention to what what he was doing in in those sessions and everything to try to work on those development things. Um, it just gets me excited. I'm just really, really excited for our young guys. A lot of the new fresh ideas with Heim Bloom. Um, yeah, I'm just ready for the season and to get get the the crap from last season out of here and just get back to our winning ways. That was a lot of stuff that I, <laughs> I just had off the top there. Um, but yeah, when, when the season starts or when the spring training starts and you get rolling like this, it's just, everything's exciting. Um, just ready to go again. So yeah. What do you think? What have you seen? What are your thoughts on what I mentioned? Where are you at with all that? Yeah, that was great stuff. Dunk. It is, um, yeah, you had a little bit to say there four or five minutes, whatever it was. But that is the nature, I think. I think it was it was all well said, and I think a lot of it's the nature of what's happening. We are at a beginning, very exciting beginning. And, you know, you're talking about new voices, pardon me, maybe new ways of doing things. Well, it all starts tomorrow. I will remind everybody, and nobody needs reminding of this fact, but Ali Marmol is still our manager, so it's a big spring for him as well. He he really needs to show, in my opinion, growth and uh, a maturity in his approach to the manage, manager position if he wants to still be the Cardinal manager you know, throughout this season and into 2025 and beyond. He's a young man. Uh, He may, you know, in five years or 10 years or who knows how long, we might be saying that, you know, we remember when he was kind of struggling a little bit in the early years. Uh, I'll, I'll choose to remain hopeful that, that's kind of the the route he personally takes. But at the end of the day, it's not the manager who throws the strikes or, you know, turns the double play or runs down the ball in the outfield or hits the home runs. And to that end, we don't have a whole lot on the position players yet. Uh, tomorrow is... Uh, a national holiday, I guess, because it's the first full squad workout. Or maybe it's because we had a couple of pretty important presidents back in the late 1700s and then the middle 1800s. But uh, some of the things I heard this first week with the pitchers and the catchers there. And you've always got a bunch of the other guys there. I assume by Friday, most everybody was in town, was was at spring training. But like you said, the first couple days going through physicals or, 
you know, checking in with the training staff, understanding, you know, what processes they were going to go through. Obviously, new guys meeting new teammates, that kind of thing. That all sounds exciting. But not a whole lot on the field action yet. But this week, not only do we have tomorrow with the first uh, full squad workout, we've got Saturday with the first uh, spring training, you know, games. And there's it's uh, Saturday, that's the 24th, you know, so in five days or whatever, six days, the uh, – uh, it's a split squad day where uh, half-ish of the team will be um, at home with the Marlins coming in. So I'm assuming, you know, your most of your starters will be with that squad. Not that it's that big a deal to travel from uh, Jupiter to where are the Mets? Are they in Lake? I forget where they are. But um, – they're close, and so everything's close at spring training. I think they're like, like Port, Port St. Lucie. Is that right? Yeah, you know what? That does sound right. And I don't. But yeah, I, don't have, I think it's like one of the closest ones. Yeah, I believe so. Who do we share with? Is it the Marlins? Yeah, it's the Marlins. Right. So that's really a dual home game in a way for both teams. I mean, I, I understand that it's not technically, but uh, it looks like it's our home game. But uh, And then, like I said, the, uh, the second team will be at the Mets. And so this week is probably the, you know, this, this is the true end of the offseason. I mean, if you're a... If you're a starter that needs to get stretched out between now and the end of March, then, you know, your off season's been over, who knows, maybe for a few weeks even prior to getting down to Florida. Um, but for everybody else, you know, it gets serious on Saturday. And I am very excited, like you said, to see how some of the things we've already heard about, like this whole concept of Sonny Gray, you know, not only really being the ace of the staff in terms of our best starter, which hopefully he will be in spades and, you know, have the kind of season that he had last year when he finished second in the AL Cy Young. Uh, but there also has been some, you know, some commentary about his, just leadership role generally and how he really seems to be embracing this idea of being kind of the face of the squad. And certainly in turn, you know, you think about the void that was left by Wayno and, you know, before that Yachty to a lesser extent, Albert, just in terms of clubhouse leadership, um, that's that's going to be important to see. You know, when you mention Jordan Walker, when you think of a Lars Newtbar with his big personality, you know, you think of a guy like maybe a Brendan Donovan, um, you know, one of the young guys, maybe a Tommy Edmond, one of the young guys that is, uh, I want to say, a regular guy, but, you know, not a superstar like, 
Nato, Goldie, or Contreras, right? <clears throat> All three of whom have distinctly different personalities and uh, lead in their own ways. But, you know, like we've said before, uh, Goldie just doesn't have, doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in it. Although, uh, you know, listeners will remember, uh, y'all was talking about after you brought it up that Goldie had spent a bunch of time with Mason Wynn. I think he said it was in Milwaukee. And then, uh, you know, Nato is just, uh, he may be too personally intense and not, generally intense enough if that makes sense um and so i just don't see him as a standout leader type i i mean i'm more than willing to be proven wrong i just don't think it's happened yet in his career and um i don't know that that's not necessarily him and that's yeah. fine. You don't have to be. I mean, you could just be a superstar and come in and put up your amazing statistics every year, and you don't have to be the team leader, right? Uh, and exactly. Unless you see well, that's, that differently. It sounds like you want to jump no. in a little bit. Get in there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I was uh, – I was totally agree with that. And Goldie in the same vein, too. I mean, there's a lot of talk about – you know, Arnado came out and you know made some comments about like you know we we needed those vocal leaders, and it sounds like they kind of had some conversations with Mo, and that was maybe the impetus behind signing uh, Mart back uh, to have those uh, that clubhouse leadership and everything back, and and other guys, other voices in the clubhouse, and there's a lot of negativity around and saying like, well, why can't these other guys be leaders? But leadership. And anyone who's played a team sport, now granted it's not on the major league professional level for a lot of people, but anyone who's played a team sport knows that leadership is a skill just like any physical skill of playing the sport. Uh, So, you know, for baseball, being a, a leader in the way that like Yachty is a leader or in the way that, you know, a recently elected Hall of Famer Joe Maurer was a leader in their clubhouse or uh, whatever the case is. That that is a skill, just like being able to hit home runs or being a contact hitter or playing good defense. Like those are skills, and there's a reason that guys get signed to be leaders that maybe don't have a great bat or maybe aren't great on defense or they have limitations in their physical game otherwise because they are such a good leader. And you know, there's a lot of talk about. Well, they should just be leaders, and it's essentially because they're a veteran, and that's it. But why does the fact that somebody's a veteran mean that they're supposed to be a leader in that same way uh, that you want them to be? Like that doesn't that doesn't by itself mean that you have to be a leader. Um, no, I agree for a clubhouse. On that. that, it's just yeah, I think it's just right. wild to me, and I think that. Um, you also kind of brought up a point that I think we should highlight as well in this little conversation is that throughout history, often team leaders have not been the best players. Um, it's like you said, it's a particular skill and, you know, you could argue that's what makes a Yadier Molina, 
you know, in our minds, especially people that saw him play every day for 18 years, 19 years, um, that's what makes him a first ballot Hall of Famer because he also had that intangible. And right. even even when he was being criticized for, you know, theoretically not trying hard enough, not hustling down the line on a ground or whatever. Uh, and, you know, it's easy. It's an easy trope to latch on to if you don't know better. And the same thing for Nato, Goldie, and Contreras were still learning. You know, uh, I think he had a pretty big personality with the Cubs and you know it was a transition year for him as well there was a lot going on and you know he also felt a lot of responsibility if I had to guess around something like Wayno's swan song you know how could he help him Mm -hmm. make that as good as he could and and you know and through through none of Contreras's fault uh it just didn't happen for Adam last year you know he was beloved and had his great uh you know had his kind of tour around the league walks with Wayno and stuff like that but um he just you know he just didn't have a very good season he was done he you know there, there was nothing left in the tank and you know you wonder how much that weighed on Contreras along with their whole rest of it and you know we don't have to rehash the beginning of the season when Ali was going a little scorched earth with, you know, Tyler and him and, you know, a few other guys. Uh, So, you know, that remains to be seen. You know, there's this kind of traditional idea that there's going to be one Latin veteran who kind of keeps all the Latin players, you know, in line or is kind of the leader of that group. And then, you know, maybe one traditional American player that, you know, is is more the leader among the, you know, the English speaking, non-Spanish speaking group. And I just think that's tired and old. I don't think that really applies in 2024 anymore like it might have in, you know, 2004. And, you know, most big league players can speak a smattering of Spanish at worst. Many are, you know, fully bilingual um, based on their, you know, their playing experiences. I mean, baseball players as a rule have been south a lot in their lives because if you want to pursue the game of baseball, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of success in places like Maine or, you know, Montana all the time because it's just the season isn't long enough. And so it'll be interesting to see who emerges. But I agree with you that uh, it has been identified, even at the highest levels, that it needs to be better. And, um, you know, is it an addition by subtraction thing? I mean, was O'Neill a a real distraction in the clubhouse i'm not saying that that's true at all i i don't think it's i don't think it's as much of a distraction i would say more of like like the addition by subtraction and just as simple as like there's less cooks in the kitchen so there's more clearly defined 
quote unquote roles. Gotcha. So Lars Newbar knows I don't have to look over to look over my shoulder and try to wonder when I'm going to get playing time or whatever. He's like, all right, this is my spot to win. I am the primary person they're looking to to fill this spot. Now, if he doesn't perform, that's a different story. But it's not like I might get, you know, four games this week. I might get two games next week and maybe I'll string 25 at-bats together in a row. Uh, Who knows? So it's less of that and and more clearly defined roles in that way, and I think that's really, really going to help a lot. Um, I don't disagree with that. I think that the most successful teams, now this is the age of specialization. Um, It's the age of max effort over shorter periods of time and workloads. So, you know, both those things can be true at the same time, I think. There's still, I believe, is a lot of value in having your basic, you know, eight. Um, when you think of a lineup, kind of having a, a typical or the guy that you expect to take a lot of at-bats at the DH I mean, there's no doubt that the DH position changes the strategy for managers. Um, it kind of changes the needed skill set. You know, absolutely that's true. Uh, probably the death, it probably spelled the death of the, you know, like the utility outfielder um, who didn't yeah. have much you know, you you either have to be a really plus defender, or you know have some real offensive upside. Where if you had to come in over ten games or two weeks, you know the team could hope that you would, you know, you might turn in a seven fifty or better OPS, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, I mean, if you remember back to your youth. And if you think about throughout history, there's been plenty of teams with a fourth or fifth outfielder, depending, you know, before you had the everyday DH, that, uh, you know, where that guy really was just a a good, almost like a late-inning defensive replacement. You just don't really see that, I don't think, in many outfields anymore. You can't. You don't have the luxury. Uh, Yeah, I don't think front offices want to use a spot for that anymore right and so when you look when you so that might actually be the best answer the one you gave about uh you know one of the reasons for the struggle with you know the clubhouse chemistry or clubhouse leadership um you know it's so hard to know how much weight to put on losing and when a team feels you know, like they're not super competitive late. I don't know how much of an impact yeah. that has. But right now we're zero. You probably zero. feel like you're pressing. Say again. Yeah. Go ahead. I said it probably feels like you're pressing and then you don't play as well. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I thought about when you mentioned Jordan Walker and, you know, maybe his approach changing somewhat, you know, maybe getting a little quieter, getting a little – um, a little more direct. I wonder if for him, 
he found himself struggling a little bit to catch up with balls. Or, yeah. or yeah. if it also could be the flip side of that where he wants to be able to sit back just that split second longer uh, to try to identify pitches, you know, or get a better feel for, you know, the zone, uh, you know, the movement. I mean, whenever I think about it, you know, when I when I watch these pro pitchers and, you know, they're working, you know, I'm using air quotes, can't see them, but I am up and in or down and away. You know, when a guy is painting the black in the lower outside corner at 98 and then he throws another one, I guess you can tell by the difference in speed maybe. Uh, the break, you know, if you just watch a pitch, I guess you can tell by the break, right? Um, and the movement, but it's just so hard at a, as a pro to recognize that. And, you know, maybe, maybe Jordan earlier in his life, you know, didn't, didn't feel like he was really guessing that often. He was more often, you know, kind of seeing the pitch and hitting it. And I can just imagine how much harder that gets when you get to the big league level between the deception some of these guys have and the speed. So maybe that's all an effort just to just to buy himself that that split second longer to uh, yeah. you know to really try to attack the ball and. Yeah, he's not he's not hurting to try to generate power. He's already got plenty of that. So, <laughs> right, that's well put. Yeah, and and it's really about it's really about catching the ball pure, right? It's really about being yeah being uh, barrel percentage yeah, that sort of right, thing. Right, exactly. Rate. And you know maybe that number was a little depressed for him last year. I don't know, and that's probably something that might be worth just confirming. But. Uh, but yeah, I love that. I love the Marp thing. I'm taking a wait and see on that. He didn't seem to have yeah. a whole oh, yeah. lot left, but then he had that little run with the Yankees. And, you know, so he's he, he I wouldn't, he's a I wouldn't anticipate hitter. any more than Go ahead. Yeah. I wouldn't anticipate any more than just like a late game pinch hit situation sort of a deal if someone gets an IL stint and you need someone for three innings those I don't know but I don't anticipate him to have a lot of playing field time right uh, I just I, I almost see him as like a glorified player coach in a way sure. uh, but just like on the, the player side um, you know people will say well why do you waste a player spot if you can just have a coach do that job and it's like well there is a, a delineation between players and coaches within the clubhouse, and there's an importance of having that on the player side of things. It just feels different when you're in the clubhouse and on the team versus someone that's in a coaching role. So I get the argument and stuff. I don't anticipate him to have a bunch of playing time and stuff, but, yeah, wait and see. We'll We'll see kind of how that plays out because we got a lot of depth we got a lot of versatility on the squad so it's going to be hard for him to get some ab's i feel like well that's a great point um i know we want to try to wrap up here in the next few minutes for this episode yeah 
one last thing I just wanted to throw out there was I saw a story on uh, Graceffo and McGreevy, uh, both hoping to maybe catch on, you know, or at least use spring training as a real uh, opportunity for them to show their stuff, um, you know, at the next level in the in this new season. Uh, could one or both of them land a roster spot on the 26 man or 25 man? I don't know that answer. Uh, I mean, I, I that, that's not true. I think one or both of them, uh, there's a spot for at least one pitcher that we don't know of yet, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if it's a guy that can start. Now, there's a guy by the name of uh, that can help us this year. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Remind me next episode to talk <laughs> about Brandon Woodruff because I think it's very interesting thought there. Uh, but anyway, Graceffo and McGreevy, that's another storyline to be watching. Obviously, all the new relievers, um, very excited about them. And like uh, we said at the beginning on Saturday, we're going to see live pitching, live hitting against uh, guys we don't like as opposed to our friends and teammates. So uh, very excited for that. I thought um, I'm glad we were able to get back together. We're going to get on a we want to get on a more regular uh, recording schedule so that we can uh really start diving into some of these meaty topics the Cardinals have. Uh, thankfully, no major injuries yet in spring training. Fingers crossed. We want that to continue all the way throughout. And if Jordan Montgomery decides he wants to pitch in St. Louis this year, I think you and I are both all for that. Oh, yeah. So that's all I have for tonight. What about you, Duncan? Was there anything else you wanted to make sure we didn't forget to discuss as spring training starts? The only other thing I've got, just kind of a, a little teaser almost for uh, next episode and everything, but just a, a general good thing to, to talk about or say anyways. But um, <clears throat> I just uh, I want to want us to be a, a good podcast for positivity for the Cardinals. Um, there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, a lot of people, I mean, it's easy to be very negative after the season that we had this past year. Um, so maybe that's a little bit more than normal or something like that. I'm not a big social media person, um, which I think is, uh, good overall in life. Just not, not good to be super immersed in that sort of a thing. Amen. Um, but I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of negativity and stuff around the team generally, and a lot of uh, armchair GMs. Let's put it that way, uh, sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, I just want to be uh, you know the the podcast of positivity for the Cardinals and um, just really getting excited and um, just backing the guys. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, as a player. Um, if all you see is negativity about what's happening around you as a player or around the team that you're on, uh, it's not to say that any player is listening to what we're saying or maybe even any of the other podcasts talking about the team. Maybe they're not listening um, and probably serves them well not to. 
and just focus on their craft and that sort of a thing. Leave the rest to, to fans. But uh, but it's good to be uh, uh, a, a positive voice and all of that and encouraging and, and back your team and uh, not be a negative. I think there's uh, there's some positive values to that. So just want to at least throw that out there. And, um, you know, if you... If you're a fan that likes to be optimistic and positive and that sort of a thing, uh, we hope you you listen regularly and, and tell your friends uh, and, and family members and whoever else you think might also enjoy hearing that versus all the negativity about all the bad stuff they think that's happening with the team and how we're ruining St. Louis Cardinals baseball and, and that sort of a thing. So. Um, if you like that sort of thing, stick around. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that positivity question. I've got some, got some stats. I've got some, some ideas and topics and uh, trying to be generally more positive about the team as a whole uh, fan base and everything, too. So some reasons why we can be more positive than maybe what we've seen recently. So a little teaser as far as that goes uh, that I want to at least stick in there right before the end. So. But yeah, I think that was it. Otherwise, oh, that's per- that is perfect. Yes. So the next time you hear from us, and I'm not going to make any comments on Duncan's last uh, little bit there, other than to say I 100% agree with him, and I look forward to a broader discussion about that. We will have plenty of examples on the other side. Uh, post haste it'll be coming as soon as i'm sure tomorrow so we will uh we will fight the good fight as duncan said or uh hinted at uh throughout the 2024 season and because we are confident in the cardinals going 162 and 0 uh we are going <laughs> to study the spring training and watch it closely so that we know everything we need to know Uh, ahead of opening day and we invite you guys to join us as we do that so for tonight and this episode once again uh to echo duncan thanks everyone for listening uh we look forward to the next time we get back together obviously go cards and um that's all for this episode again broadway and clark can find us on Um, anywhere you get your podcasts and we hope you will listen and subscribe and obviously make any comments you'd like to make all right go birds